All right, guys, what's going on? Today we have an extra special, ultra special guest, my mom, Kitty Kathleen McGew-Binnick, and she is joining me to discuss all things health and fitness in her life that are going on. She has some really fun, exciting things to talk about. We also just always have really good conversations as it pertains to kind of just life, I think. And it's something that I've always really, really enjoyed and loved and cherished. And I thought it would be really fun for her to come on the podcast and just kind of roll into it. And we ate breakfast before and we started in our conversation and I was just like, all right, you know, we should just start recording and we'll just kind of jump in. And so we just kind of jump in. We kind of loose roll into it. I realize it a few minutes in and I do a little introduction, but uh, a lot of fun stuff. She tells you kind of some of her more embarrassing moments, I guess, of me at the end. And uh, I thought that'd be fun, a fun thing to kind of have her discuss and, you know, just kind of go through some of what's going on as we, you know, transition uh, later in life in our health and fitness and how we can kind of view things and have the right mindset and how, you know, we have grown and she has grown as you know a person in her health and fitness journey and kind of what prompted that and where she's going in the future and some fun things to look forward to for her. So I hope that you guys enjoy this. I know I did. And, you know, always one of those great reminders where, you know, if you haven't called your mom and dad in a while, give them a call, have a little chat it means the world to them. And honestly, it means the world to you too. And I hope it does. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy this one. Thank you. coffee and stuff while you're talking? I will, yeah. Yeah? All right. Yeah, because it technically is Sunday coffee chats. I know. And so we have to have coffee, although I don't think I can drink a whole lot more caffeine. Which is why I brought my Bengal spice tea, which you got me started on. Which is good, isn't it? I love it. I'm like Maria. I'm first takeaway tip. Kind of stronger. First takeaway tip for the listeners: Bengal spice tea. Yeah. I tried to do my podcast. That I was going to do this week. It ended up getting so long. It was like all these like life hacks, like healthy life hacks that we've adopted. <laughs> Bengal spice. Mine is typically. It's not this morning. Typically, Bengal spice tea with collagen. Oh, you it. put your. Oh. I put it in there. Very interesting. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Um, and I already had my Four Sigmatic coffee this morning. Oh, uh, you're just so Tim Ferriss. What a that's <laughs> which I I I tried that, right? And I was kinda yeah. You didn't like it? It was okay. I don't know. I like I mean I actually like the flavor. The coffee. Yeah. I mean people are so like taken back by I wonder if you would serve it to them and just not tell them that it was mushroom coffee. Yeah. Well, they think it's like coffee made out of mushrooms. Right. It's it's just coffee that they have added mushrooms to. Right, right. And that just, it, what, what does it do again? It gives you more, it's like antioxidants or something? Well, they're um, called adaptogens. Adaptogens. So they are, um, some people might call those medicinal mushrooms. Oh, okay. Not the hallucinogenic right, kind. Right, right, right. Although he's big on those too. 
Paris. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, so he does a lot of, this is huge in California, and we can just kind of roll into this conversation, roll into, and we can figure out if we want to put it in the podcast or not. Um, But people in California now, meditation's obviously a big piece of the puzzle out in Silicon Valley, Mm -hmm. because a lot of these people have so much pressure on them to come up with big ideas and then take those big ideas and figure out a way. I mean, if you can think about the sheer size of a Facebook, right, or Instagram or Google, and you're working for these companies and you're hired on as CEO to come up with the next big idea, um, it's a lot of pressure. And so these guys tried to really like dial in this like transcendental meditation which I think is probably taken a lot from like a Steve Jobs who's big into that. Mm-hmm. But I think you can see the value of it in terms of you have to be very in tune with your thoughts. T- tuned in. Yeah. And uh, so basically what's happened now is they've, they've done these, uh, you know, psychedelic, you know, infused meditations and they'll do these four to six hour stints of this. Um, and now there's doctors that'll it'll be all be doctor supervised. Well, there's a thing, and I'm not going to even say it right. It's something like ashwala, mm-hmm. which is essentially what that is. Mm-hmm. It's not legal to do in the United States, whatever this is. And I said that word wrong. I'm pretty sure, but it starts with ash, I believe. Okay. Um, but I know you can go to Costa Rica. You can bring it just a little closer if you want. There you go. Uh, you can bring it, bring it to Costa Rica, or you can do this legally in Costa Rica. Rica. Yeah. There's a uh, apparently some world-renowned clinic now that does it legally under the supervision of doctors and so forth. But they th- they think it has a lot of promise for things like PTSD. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is well, and that's what I think so interesting. Now it's like I think we went through a weird stint in the '70s, '80s, and '90s really probably in your era of 60s and 70s was when you know the villainization of of you know psychedelic drugs or mind-altering drugs lsd yeah really Mm -hmm. came about for obvious reasons right like social recreational abuse especially of things like acid are going to kill you Mm -hmm. and have serious you know significant brain damage and then obviously what starts to happen is people see the money opportunity of it recreationally. And so then they start to lace it with things or do unethical things to the drugs. And so things get out of control. So I, I think you get that end of it. But then I think we went a little bit off the deep end with it where then you take those out of all recreational use and you basically gave pharmaceutical companies like almost like a complete ownership of this like drug market. Yeah. And sure. and and they became a million times more profitable than mm-hmm. any drug dealer could have. Mm-hmm. And you see the same problems still sort of exist. Like addiction's still a problem. Overdoses are still a problem. And Not now perfect. it's like kids going into their parents' cabinets and grabbing their prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, mm-hmm. being or I, I even think worse now is <clears throat> it's one thing to for me to go out and seek out recreational drug use it's another thing for a doctor to tell me i need to be taking this drug to be better no question because i think there are people in situations and this is what we talk about all the time 
as you know coaches and you know jenny is a doctor and andy is a dietitian is you know we want people to view some of the the goals and the plans and the systems and stuff as a prescription like we want you to look at this as if a doctor just told you you know you need to do x and y and z to avoid this disease right or to avoid right. you know to get off this this chronic illness that you've got and that's how we want to be viewed but very rarely are we right it's very challenging it's an uphill battle for us however there are all sorts of doctors who are misprescribing all sorts of things huge one now i just read about the other day is this testosterone replacement therapy where this stuff's just getting misdiagnosed by both volume and necessity like crazy right now and when you think about it, a lot of these doctors are doctors who are maybe not super successful in other practices or in other fields and so it's like you know the the the, the, I heard a doctor say one time, it's like, you know, failed doctors become plastic surgeons, right? And you're just like, <laughs> all right. So it's cause sort of like a joke, but you think about it, it's like, okay, so a failed doctor maybe now does testosterone replacement therapy. Yeah. And, but they give these prescriptions for people, whether it's depression medication or cholesterol medication or whatever it is. And, and now all of a sudden it's like, everybody is going to think like, oh, I've got to take that every day. And well, then you talk been to people who've been on of, it for years. Yeah, we've been brainwashed into thinking that doctors know every single thing about every aspect of our health. Right. And um, because of that, we've been kind of brainwashed to listen to everything. And if they write a prescription for a pill, then that's what I should be doing. Right. And that's what I should take. And nobody really even questions that. In fact, as a nurse, I was always, like, shocked at how many people take prescription medicine and don't even know the name of it or yeah. even for that matter know what it's for yeah you used to tell me like you'd come in and you'd ask that simple question on their intake form yeah you know what prescription drugs are you taking yeah. and they don't know don't know they just take it every whatever, day yeah it's whatever blue, the doctor I take tells the blue me. one every day and the mm -hmm. green one in the afternoon and you're just like yeah you don't know what they are or what they do yeah but it's crazy that's and that's i think one of the scary parts about you know kind of where medicine and recreational drugs are at. And I think that's why, you know, when, you know, if we take it back to just thinking about like psychedelics and meditation and stuff, I think that's why now you start seeing people who are like, well, I'm not going to go to my, my doctor who's recommending me this, you know, pill for anxiety. And it might be whatever it might be Xanax or it might be something, you know, who knows what they're going to give you for that. And then, you know, but instead I'm going to take this, holistic thing that's grown out of the earth and mm -hmm. you know take it under mm -hmm. appropriate supervision in the appropriate place and try to get the benefit out of it and i think when you start to think about that you know it's i think now that the, that pendulum swinging back the other way absolutely and i think when you start to see you know now the government and congress and everybody starting to try to go after you know big pharmaceutical companies and drug prices and stuff and uh i have a lot of thoughts on that which is super interesting uh how that's going to go but i think that's where you're going to start to see things get into a weird place like this correction is yeah. going to be interesting to see how it pans out over the next 10 years the pharmaceutical companies have played such a huge role in where we've taken medicine right and uh you know there there's so many interesting information in fact i remember reading about how in world war one I, I believe it was they were still using like herbal medicines to 
help you know s- injured soldiers and yeah. so forth they w- they were still using um non pharmaceuticals right. really um to help them and they were they were functional treatments they right. they actually worked or at least you know to some degree they worked yeah. and they had no side effects at all yeah um but they're not profitable <laughs> right exactly you know if you can grow something in your backyard that is that actually can work yeah um it's not it costs you next to zero dollars exactly it's right. not profitable yeah as opposed to you know as i uh reading about diabetes medication the other day and what the prices are for insulin and stuff right now and, and how they're consolidating and hoarding and price fixing across these companies in, in america and it's just like you look at the price comparison if you want to if you want to ever research like drug costs because i think a lot of people especially in our community it doesn't necessarily affect right that we don't take a lot of prescription drugs so you know i know for me politically this is one of those things it's like i believe in i have an opinion in but it actually doesn't really affect me right like i don't right it's not affecting my family's financial picture but if you ever want to look at some like you know, look at people who are experiencing, you know, a kid with type one diabetes young in life. And you're just like, you look at these costs and the added costs that that brings every month to these families. And you're like, and then you look, and then the, the crazy part is like, okay, so that's one thing. But then when you look at like Spain or Canada and the price is, I'm not even exaggerating one fiftieth of the cost. Right. You're like, how in the hell like it's it's unbelievable to me that we have the most pharmaceutical companies you know the most advanced science the most advanced technology the most advanced systems all these things all these fortune 500 companies and in any other industry that would lead to price lowering Mm -hmm. you look at tvs you look at cell phones you look at any of these things price lowering as things get more efficient in the business as the businesses become more profitable they get more efficient and prices go down not up and it's like, right. and they so spend a tremendous amount on trials and um, research, right? And advertising, obviously. Well, lawsuits and and lawsuits. And so this is what um, so Ed sent me an article. Um, you know, Johnson and Johnson did a, they did a study, and basically found that the drug that they were going to be putting out wasn't, you know, had no efficacy. Like, wasn't what didn't didn't have scientific backing in the the mediums that they needed to and had side effects that basically to be fda approved they would need to get rid of they forged the study and they said yeah our this this is all of it went well they they forged all of it right brought it to market it made 4.2 billion dollars before the fda caught up and found out that the study was forged and that the drug was causing these side effects and was harming people and goes through and finds them biggest fine in fda history i think it's like 500 million or 750 million dollars and ed goes johnson johnson ran the calculation 750 million dollars on a 4.2 billion profit they'll take it all day yeah because they don't care and so when you think about that it's like so as soon as you start to realize that the ethics aren't there from a business perspective and all they care about is the shareholder bottom line then all the rules are off regulation is off and it's like that's uh you know facebook just got fined five billion dollars and i read a great article i think it was in the wall street journal the other day fantastic article talking about people are reading this saying oh well that'll make them think twice and he goes no it's going to be the polar opposite Mm -hmm. he goes all this is going to do is now it sets a mark 
And if they can make a hundred billion dollars in profit for doing something unethical and their fines only going to be 5 billion, they're just going to do it more because now they have a dollar amount and they're right. going to say like, they said that's just a drop in the bucket for them. Right. Oh just yeah. A drop in the bucket. Well, and they just came out huge second quarter earnings. So it was like two days apart. You get $5 billion and then the next, the like next day or two days later on wall street journal homepage, uh, Facebook crushes earnings and revenues beat, you know, uh, stock price skyrockets. Yeah. They're up like 10%. Well, the day after addicted. a $5 billion fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so clearly like we're not, you know, and, and this is the hard part is as a society, you know, how do you hold, how do you hold these corporations or these companies to account? You know, I don't know if yeah. fines aren't going to do it. Right. There has to be a threat of jail time when we start regulating private businesses with the threat of jail time for things like social media, like privacy start getting into some weird yeah, levels touchy. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, I think it's just kind of one of those things at the end of the day, the end user has to be the one who's accountable. Like you and I have to be accountable for our information. And if you do care about privacy, which I don't really. And, and knowledgeable right. about where that privacy, you know, how much are they infringing on your privacy? Right. right. I, I don't know if you can be completely knowledgeable about that, right. but you need to at least have your eyes open. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, the scary part isn't like now, and this is what I always try to tell people is like from a privacy collection standpoint, right? So Apple's got, you know, your face, right? And they associate your face with your account and all that stuff's, you know, given to whatever the government, who, you know, advertisers, whoever, right? right. Um, none of that stuff in theory is scary at all, but I think that you can see the situation where things can become scary very quickly. And it's going to be one of those things. I think, I think it'll be a lot like that with climate change. It's going to be one of those things where it's not scary and nobody cares until that moment hits where you're going to be like, Oh, this is really scary. Yeah, maybe, maybe that this really did terrifying. make a difference. Right. And yeah. so like, you know, you get to that point as it pertains to privacy, you get to the point where, um, you know, they can basically convict you and, you know, find you in the court of public opinion and, and, you know, track you down with drones in a heartbeat. And it's like all this stuff's just going to be faster and scarier. And mm -hmm. it's like, and that's the, that's the part to me that's terrifying is how, how easy it is for those people. Julian Assange, I watched a, the WikiLeaks guy, I watched a documentary with him and they, he, you know, he does, he basically gets accused of, sexual assault and you know something else and and he talks about in the documentary he goes this is what they've they've figured out to do he goes if you want to discredit anybody without any trial without any evidence without any discussion at all all you have to do is say that they sexual misconduct yeah mm -hmm. And so you have to say basically, you know, oh, he, you know, allegedly raped a woman. He allegedly did this. He allegedly did that. And there's countless examples of people who, like, you remember who were totally acquitted for this. Like Duke Lacrosse is the biggest one, right? But um, it was a total fabrication, yeah. right? But they're so vilified immediately just for the association that you can never get out from behind it. Yeah, it really it, it ruined their lives or at least for a few years. Right it definitely made a huge right. impact on their lives and their families' lives. Yep.
And so that's where they're, um, you know, that's, that's what he taught. So that's basically what they did to him. Um, and so he's, you know, who knows, you know, at that point, what's well, when true. When you what's think not. about it, that's, that's probably one of the first things they said about Trump too. Right. Right. Exactly. So yep. Is how do you, how do you take people have out? That connection. And so that's why I tell Maria all the mm-hmm. time. I go, I think to me, that's the scariest thing is when people know that, you know, as soon as you are okay, as soon as somebody's okay to cross the ethical boundaries and just fabricate and lie, then they essentially can take down anybody they want to mm-hmm. on using social media and, uh, you know, just fabricated, not even evidence, just fabricated right. thoughts. I think they start believing their own lies. Right. Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> After sure. a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and when you start to get down that path, that's where, um, you know, it's if you if you're pushing the narrative long enough, then, you know, that's what that's where I think the world misses John Stewart a little bit. One of the yeah. things I used to like about his show so much is when sure. he would recognize the talking points that these guys would use for like certain situations. So like, you know, for the most recent example, it's like the the Mueller report or something it's like you know the Democrats have these like three words and then he would clip together all these three words and then the Republicans would have their two words and then yeah. they clip together all those two yeah, words and, and when you do that it's funny yeah it just becomes comedy <laughs> sure. and, and he did a great interview and I actually when when he came down to the tomb he goes he goes I'm not really a comedian he goes this stuff writes itself he goes I, I don't do yeah. anything he goes I just clip stuff together well, that, that was his niche really. right yeah. exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah he's a very pioneer you liked him a lot too I you? did yeah yeah uh, all right. Well, we just went for a while, but uh, introduction. Uh, so I, I'll have to cut back in the introduction that we can just flow right into the conversation. Uh, so here with us today is the most special guest, the self-anointed biggest fan of the podcast, right? Are you still claiming that? Absolutely. Okay. Because now Probably the only person who's heard every single episode. I don't think that's true. Oh, yeah. Well. I don't think okay, that's true. Good. Well, I'm glad that's not yeah, true. We have some, we have some <laughs> other staunch. Uh, but your biggest fan. Yes. Biggest fan. Uh, my mother, uh, Kitty Kathleen McGue Binnick, and uh, she's joining us today. We're going to talk about uh, lots of fun topics, as you can tell. You guys can probably tell where I get my passionate, um, fun opinions and inquiries uh, and excitement towards knowledge and things like that. So uh, my mom and I have always had great discussions, and so I just wanted to have her on. Probably not the only time you'll come on. We'll probably have you come on in the future because we have such a wide lifetime to span of things to discuss that's true uh but right mainly right now you have some fun exciting things happening in your life from a health and fitness perspective and so i thought we could kind of catch you while you're at this state of mind and it might be fun for you to look back on in the future and uh you know kind of catalog it and tell people kind of what's going on uh so let's start easy and then we'll get to the more complicated stuff later because one of the things that i'm most excited about is for you guys to get your sauna and so we have the sauna it's delivered it's in the garage it's in the garage and unassembled so, uh so walk me through a little bit what uh, your thought process was where you said yeah okay i want to get a sauna was there like you had one at like a vacation home or kind of walk me through that uh well honestly uh in the spring i had just a little little minor little glitch in my health and uh, wound up everything being fine other than the fact that I now am taking blood pressure medicine, which I really dislike the idea of, um, as Jeff and I were (laughs) talking about pharmaceuticals and so forth. Um, And uh, Jeff and my trainer and 
my nutrition coach, Andy, know that my very first goal uh, in being at Friendship, working out and doing the nutrition and so forth, is um, getting off that blood pressure medicine. So that is probably primarily what spurred the sauna. Yeah. Um, because there's so much clinical evidence that it can help with blood pressure. And um, I guess kind of from an aging standpoint and just wanting, as, as I get older, um, as most people, I suppose, or many people anyway, as we get older, we care a little bit less about uh, vanity and a little bit more about just overall health and feeling well and so forth. So the sauna is really prompted by that and the fact that both dad and I like like taking a sauna. Yeah. He takes saunas pretty frequently yeah. um, at uh, his club. I don't, yeah. but I do like him. Yeah. yeah, he likes sweating. He's like weird. He likes to like he likes sweating. In his head, yeah. there's like a big like thing about working up a sweat. Like he yep. always, he always ta- talks well, about Well, I think up he, he, he thinks, and it, and it is true to, oh, to a large degree, it's, it's a detoxifying. Oh, it's great thing. for you. And I think, yeah. you know, that's why. Yeah. And so that's, that's true for me, too. I think the detoxifying uh, benefit, the relaxation benefit, um, it's, just, it's just overall, I think, a really good, healthy thing to do. And one of the things I think that's been most interesting, not just from this journey, because you were doing this, I mean, really, I would probably ever say ever since I got out of the army and kind of started being interested in health and wellness and probably my initial dive into paleo and our talks about that, I think really kicked off a big, it's been about 11 years, 10, 11 years journey for you on self-research now obviously you were a nurse so your backgrounds in health and medicine but i think that you i think you saw some of the flaws in modern medicine and i think you've always been very interested in kind of self-research and i think that was a lot of what you were just saying with the sauna and so tell me a little bit about your your kind of self-research journey and a little bit about kind of where you're at now with it because I think now you're you know you're very holistic in nature um you know I think you look for some of those fixes which I think probably led you more to the sauna than you know what other chemical fixes or what other things can yeah, be doing absolutely so. well I think you know as you say probably 10 or 11 years ago or so I um I've always read a lot about health um but I have sort of evolved a little bit more into that integrative side holistic however however you want it i i feel like in my heart it's definitely the future of medicine is is getting a conventional approach combined with a more holistic approach and i think we're we're well on our way now to that um so that that's the little part of medicine that i really enjoy reading about or the um i know some people call them like the biohacks that that kind of thing I just find very interesting and I think that overall no offense to the MDs out there but I think they've been very um, one one-sided and short-sighted right. a little bit of the time and I think you know now many of them are are kind of open to the idea of being more holistic 
more, um, you know, the, the fact that they were never trained in nutrition is, is such an interesting right. concept to me. And it's such an interesting thought that people have, like, kind of poo-pooed the idea of the fact that nutrition can be medicine. Right. I mean, if you can believe medicine can be medicine, why can't food be medicine? You're well, it's putting all it in your body. I was going to say, it's all chemicals. Yeah. I mean, if, if you can, everybody, I mean, with nutrition, we know, obviously, that you can affect the chemical levels in your body just the same way that prescription drugs do literally the exact same Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. And, yeah, I think it's, and the thing that's frustrating to me and kind of what we were talking about earlier is I think for it should be, at least in my opinion, it should be this. That's the simplest fix a lot of the time. And cheapest. And cheapest. And you're eating anyway. Right. And so, like, why don't we walk backwards from there? So I always heard, you know, talking to some of our young DOs, right? Um, so not MDs, but DOs, which obviously because of our proximity to, you know, Heritage and Ohio University's medical school here in Dublin, we have more of, but talking with them, their first approach is always, or at least not their is not always, but one of the ways that I heard it put best is I'm going to almost always recommend improving diet, exercise, sleep, stress management, and try that for like six weeks and then have the person follow up and come back and see where we get to. And for that's covering 90% of you know, non-acute, you know, serious, like actual traumatic injuries. If we're talking about chronic diseases, if we're talking about, you know, even little things like dermatology things or skin things, like all those things, like let's try just, you know, changing the way we're eating. It could, all this stuff is just going to get worse and more inflamed by poor nutritional choices. And if we strip some of that stuff out, I mean, how many people have you know, had irritable bowel syndrome or all these different things. And it's just, it literally just ends up being like gluten intolerance. A, a, a dietary thing. Right. Yeah. And so I think probably nutrition is the biggest area where I think you've read, right? And you still do. You listen yeah. to a lot of podcasts. I you do. read a lot on nutrition. Dad thinks too many sometimes. Too many. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, I, so my big thought with that stuff is there's so many different schools of thought. There's so many different studies and opinions and those things that, uh, you're just creating a wider breadth of opportunity in terms of knowledge, right? Yeah. There's yeah, you don't have to believe everything you listen to. No, exactly. You yeah. have to put it through your own filter mm -hmm. and realize like, hey, I think that, you know, chia seeds for omega-3, something we were talking about before we got on podcast, but chia seeds for omega-3s, like you probably picked that up somewhere along the way. Right. And then now, you know, you're in a situation where you need some more omega-3s to help you. And so, bam. Like, oh, I yeah. remember this one thing I read or listened to one time said chia seeds are really good. Well, and I'd rather, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work. I think you can fall into, like, taking too many supplements. Right. And so I'm really trying. That's, that's my biggest thing right now is I'm trying to eliminate as many supplements. I, that number kept edging up a little yeah. bit yeah. just from my research <laughs> and yeah. things that I read. But I'm trying to back that down now because um, for a lot of reasons. I think it's expensive. I think it's um, it's a lot for your liver to handle sometimes. It's taking a bunch of things that your your body's not really absorbing much of it anyway. Right. Um, well so I think, I think you're always better off getting it from food if you oh can. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, and so. that's like, uh, you know, I always try to remind people, 
the word is needs to be paid more attention to. It needs to be supplementary. It's it's not a substitute. It's right. a supplement. Right. It's it needs to be something that we take. You know, just purely for a specific purpose. But if we don't take it that day, or th- that week, or whatever, like we go on vacation, we don't take our whey protein with us for our post workout shake doesn't make a difference really right right? right. but it will supplement our current nutritional and exercise habits to allow us to recover a little bit more quickly Mm -hmm. in between exercise sessions while we're at home and at homeostasis but when we start saying you know i'm not going to eat any you know fruits vegetables i'm going to get no vitamins and minerals from plant-based sources and i'm just going to take a multivitamin yeah it's like okay that's that's now you're substituting you're not supplementing right and so i think that that's just like you said there's a a ton of issues with that but i think you just have to look at it the right way Mm -hmm. um so i think it's fantastic that you're kind of trying to work off of that where would you say you know if you if you kind of honed in you know right now we'll talk a little bit about kind of where you're at with friendship and with andy here in a second but uh you know from a general kind of health and wellness standpoint right i always like to try to play the battle of you know sleep stress management exercise and nutrition in terms of like a full kind of well-rounded focus right you know where would you say your biggest focus is right now like where you're trying to work the most and what do you feel like has made some of the biggest differences in that um it's hard for me to split apart diet and exercise because i think those two um and i still i still struggle with diet even though i think overall you know comparatively with most people in this world my diet's pretty good but um it's not perfect um i don't want it to be perfect really either i mean in that whole like orthorexic term about people who focus are too obsessed too much they're too obsessed orthorexic i I learned something i've never heard that before yeah is that like you're you're too dialed in with your nutrition all the time it's like yeah you're too focused on it to a point where it's obsessive it's obsessive yeah Yeah. i don't want i don't want to be that way right i I, i'm not going to be that way but um so it's hard for me to to say which one of those i you know overall if I'm active, I suppose the diet is the most important part. But um, I really, I really like what I'm doing now, training-wise. Yeah. I'm finally getting over the hump. I told Andy the other day, finally starting at least to get over the hump of learning how to push myself a little bit more. Yep. And um, so, thanks to Andy for that. Well, and He's so, so that. let's dive in on that. So, uh, so let's walk through. So let's walk through like my childhood of and, and think about your exercise. Cause I think back of, um, you know, we grew up and, you know, I'm obviously you're a kid, you're involved very much with like your own play schedule and what you're doing. Right. And you don't pay too much attention to like if mom went and got a workout, but I didn't get the impression that like after you had us, that you were too into working out for our, most of our childhood. Just walking. Right. Yeah, I've always been a walker. Yep. You know, thankfully, I've always had dogs. Yeah. And so you feel kind of guilty if you don't walk your dog. Well, and so you're walking. I mean, most of yeah. our walking, I'd say when we walked dogs growing up, I mean, 
they were serious walks. They're like three miles. I mean, two yeah, miles. I mean, they were much. long, long yeah. walks. Yeah. And so, um, so we didn't do, let's just say in terms of like organized structured exercise, we didn't do a ton. Um, when would you say? I did aerobic dance at one point. How's that? <laughs> I don't picture uh, you much. I mean, not that you dislike dancing. Yeah, I actually really liked it. Um, I thought it was really fun. Yeah. At times, I'm not quite quick enough yeah. to stay up with it, but um, I thought it was kind of fun. I mean, that was that was like the 80s. Right. I think of that <laughs> stuff as like it's fun uh, to a point, but like if that was your exercise regimen every day, yeah, you'd probably be like, oh my god, all right, like. Oh. <laughs> So sick of the song. I don't song. know that I was <laughs> quite coordinated enough for it all. Like, right. uh, like Zumba sounds good to me, but I tried that a couple times. And we've always like, said one day. No, I'm not I a don't Latin, even know Latin if Kristen dancer. knows that. It, but we've always <laughs> said one day for uh, um, April Fool's Day, we want to program like one of CrossFit's most popular workouts that like everybody loves, and just have them show up and have Kristen Christman with a boombox and just have her do a Zumba class and <laughs> just Zumba. start and just start the class and just go, come on guys, here we go, let's go, like and just like be up in front and just start doing it and see if anybody like good at that. Ac- actually jumps in, <laughs> uh, just as like our we like to. I think, think you'd get a few people, a few takers. Yeah, on we that. like to we like to come up with fun April Fool's jokes <laughs> that we can play on people. Um, oh, Charlotte's going after me. Uh, so, so now, and let's say, God, it was probably what, seven, eight years ago. When did you start doing a lot of, um, more like yoga, Pilates, personal trainer? How long ago was that now? Well, on a real consistent basis, probably close to five years ago. Okay. Um, I first took yoga when I was like 16 though. Really? Yeah, I did. So let's see. That I've always been. really liked yoga. I've taken yoga off and on yeah. pretty much my whole life well so s- since 16 like late 60s you weren't you weren't really like you were bordering on being a hippie but you would have been a late hippie right <laughs> like aunt trish was probably more hippie era than you were right yeah a little bit okay um but you were still involved a little bit with the that i'm guessing that yoga was coming to america at that point kind of ingrained in that culture a little bit yeah 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 so um, I liked it. I always liked the uh, the stretching, uh, non-stress kind of yeah. quiet music aspect to yoga. Right. I think there's a, and now more than ever, you know, there's so much noise and busyness and like, you know, cell phones and TVs and, you know, car stereos. And just think about how much time you spent just in like quiet. Like you guys have a good opportunity at your home to, to be in quiet like it's quiet. quiet there but I I think for the most part it's like if you're I mean if you're not at home it's just there's just noise there's noise and volume and fast-paced and go Pretty go much go that's that is what life is now and so I yeah, think I think definitely. yoga has more value now more than ever simply because of that just mm-hmm. slower quieter yeah. be more in tune with you and your thoughts and stuff so um definitely so meditative you, do, you yeah. still do it two days a week or three days two two days a week and you go to pie still with your girl I do. Kara. Kara. Love Kara. Shout yep. out. Yep. Yep. Uh, so she is, um, she's, she's pretty famous. Like she's like, she has a following following. You know, yeah. When she's out of town and not teaching her right. class size goes way down. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I know Jay and Kristen used to like hire her for like private sessions cause they liked her so much. So, yeah. um, so that's she's cool. She's very so. intuitive. Right. She's, uh, and do you still yeah. stick to with like 
I mean, you're not concerned with doing anything like the advanced stuff. You're just doing the slow flow. No, it's it's a little light and slow for Maria. Yeah. Um, but I like that aspect of it right. because I am really there to stretch and relax. Yep. I'm not there to do like hot yoga right. and so forth. I can get that kind of exercise with Andy. Yeah. That's or how I feel about yoga. Or my Pilates is a little bit more challenging. Right. You know? And so, so I think I just had bad yoga mentors where like they were all these like high paced Lulu girls that were like, yeah, it's such a great workout. And I'm like, I thought yoga wasn't supposed to be like a workout. I thought it was supposed to be fun I and relaxing. I mean, I see that there's that side of yoga and yeah. people, hot yoga is super popular. Yeah. But um, that's not why I go to yoga. No. I, it's why some people do. Yeah. It's not why I do. And so tell me about uh, Pilates then. Because Pilates, I think, is something that was really big in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Is a fantastic training style. Uh, but I still feel like it's pretty niche. Like I don't feel like it ever really became super mainstream. Maybe for a little bit. But yeah. It is pretty niche still. And yeah. I think partly because it tends to be really expensive. Yeah. Um, my Pilates teacher who teaches in her home, who has every single bit of Pilates equipment there is. Yeah. You know. So um, it looks like a torture chamber in her house a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it does a little bit. Um, but she's she's much less expensive. than Yeah. And she's great. She's been teaching for over 20 years. So. Yeah. Uh, but I like it. It is a different, it's it's somewhere in, it lies somewhere in between strength training and, yeah. and yoga. Mm hmm so it's a nice combination of that. And, you know, you probably would be able to explain the um, eccentric and yeah. uh, all that. I don't I don't know all the terminology yeah. in terms of how it's a different it's a different Loading way to under eccentric. Yeah. Is yeah. So, yeah. Well, so it's a different way to stress your muscle. Right. So, uh, you know, for CrossFitters, it's a lot of why we would do like a slow lower in a deadlift or a squat. Right. That stretching under resistance of the muscle. So you think about when the muscle is getting longer, that's going to be the eccentric motion, right? Um, and then when the muscle shortens, that's going to be the concentric motion. So when that muscle is stretching, getting longer, and there's load applied to it. So in Pilates case, that load is going to be placed by the resistance bands or pulley systems. Pulleys are, yeah. And uh, from a CrossFit perspective, a lot of times it's going to be external load, right? So it's going to be kettlebells, dumbbells, whatever. Um, that has really great benefits, both because you're getting a lot of extra blood flow to the muscle system at that point, but you're also, it's going to cause you to build more muscle more quickly. And it's also going to cause you to be able to strengthen the muscle at length. So you're mm -hmm. getting a little bit of flexibility benefit mm -hmm. at the same time. Well, and she always creates really rock too. strong, like muscle fibers. Yeah. You're, um, a lot of Pilates, a lot of what, what we do is small muscle groups yep. and you know, much of, uh, strength training is more Big large. Muscle groups. Yeah. yeah. Which is fantastic. And that's why we always talk about how physical therapy and CrossFit are a very good intermixing because most of physical therapy is going to focus on the smaller muscle groups. Yeah. You know, lighter weight, very low band resistance, but challenging nonetheless because you're challenging those different muscles that might be muted or underdeveloped but play a massive role in the stability right. of the joint. Right. And so that's what's fantastic about having alternative training methods with what you do. Well, it started out as a physical therapy, essentially. It right. was for ballet dancers. But yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So I was going to say, Charlotte's getting, uh, she's getting <laughs> in her podcast zone. She's realizing that, <laughs> oh, they're not allowed to move. And so I can just mess around and do whatever I want. It's like her playhouse. As soon as she realizes this, she starts spazzing out. Uh, so, and then, uh, so crossfitting with Andy two days a week now. Two days a week. And so, you know, we've had um, a few different times that you've tried CrossFit. I would say you probably tried it very early, maybe in the garage when we were there. I don't think ever in the garage, but okay. definitely at Fiesta. Yeah, definitely yeah. at Fiesta. And then a couple other times at Friendship, um, you and Dad did um, a workout, which made you guys really sore, which was the testing workout for one of the challenges that we did. Mm -hmm. I think you've learned a little bit in training since that time. In terms of? Uh Maybe not making us do 80 squats for the warm-up. Well, that was a standardized <laughs> test-in workout. You guys were coming to us, not me coming to you. So there is a difference. That is a good point. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, but that, I mean, but just what you said is the exact value of, you know, having more of a, a personalized system or a personalized coach as mm -hmm. opposed to, mm -hmm. um, you know, a generalized system. Well, and I, I couldn't tell you how long I've been training with Andy now. but uh, It's been about four months. Three months, three yeah. months, four months of nutrition, and I think two or three yeah. months of, of exercise. So, you know, he we're still getting to a point where he's trying to figure out, like, how far he can push me. Right. And um, so, you know, we're getting to know each other that way. Right. Right. And so, um, so you guys do two half-hour sessions a week. Is that right? We do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And which I think is, um, you know, you feel like right now it's a good volume for you. It's enough to feel like... All right, that was really hard. Definitely making progress. But you're getting, I, I think the biggest thing, what I love most about CrossFit, and I've always told people this, the reason for me that it um, has remained fun for 12 years is just that pure sense of accomplishment that you get from facing a challenge. And especially, and I think even especially on days where you feel like, like I, I don't know, like I'm just not feeling it or I'm really sore or I'm tired or I don't know if I really want to go and do this. And then you're faced with a challenge and you were maybe in not the greatest mindset. And then you do it and you knock it out and you're like, man, like I feel like you feel good about it. You feel good about that. Yeah, you, and you feel, feel great good. when you get in your car. Right. It's, li it's like, wow, I'm proud of myself. Right. You know, I'm proud of myself that I, I actually did that because, uh, you know, several of these workouts, in particular the last workout that we did, um, I looked at him and I said, well, you are, you are really optimistic. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, you think I can do this. I'm not sure I think I can do this. Right. But then I did it. Right. And so, you know, it is a tremendous sense of accomplishment, well, especially for me, because as you mentioned, it, I wasn't really an exerciser when I was younger. Right. So, and I wasn't, I grew up, graduated from high school in 1970, uh, girl sports. Yeah, didn't just exist really. They they weren't. I mean, there was no girl sports really in my high school other right. than basketball, and I probably in hindsight wish I would have done that. Yeah, but you do like basketball. I didn't do it. I do like basketball. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, you know I think that that's something that we kind of talk about a lot is that, and I, I do think I don't necessarily think that people always view it necessarily as fear, but it's a discomfort with the discomfort. There's there's yeah. an apprehension towards doing things i think that that only gets worse over time right if we you know when we're young and we're spry and we're moving and stuff like you look at you know kids whether they're fit or not i mean we have severely obese kids who are in our program but 
they still run around and in, not knowing and like it. Yeah, like yeah. not not even they don't yeah. they they don't care. It's they they still run and jump and play and they're active and they do things and they don't have an apprehension to jumping in and trying to figure out how to learn how to clean and jerk or how to do pull ups or how to do all this stuff um, because they're still in that mode of feeling excited to learn how to do things with their body and all this other stuff. But I think as adults, if we, you know, get in that habit of, you know, we're, we're going to ride when we play golf and we're going to, you know, never, we're always going to take the people movers at the airport and we're always going to, you know, commute to work in our car. We're always going to do these things. It's like, there's sort of lazy options that we can take all over the place. And if we get in that habit all the time and we never really are, seeking out those challenges to use our body well it's kind of like you talked about recently about risk and taking a risk and and so forth and when you you know this is something i really see as i get older is that you get so used to staying within your comfort zone that the older you get the more you want to be inside that comfort zone and you know little things like people even older than me that like don't really even want to leave their house that much because it they just get so comfortable with it and i I can see you know that really happens and and like working out for me is outside of that comfort zone to some degree um but i'm getting much more comfortable well and i think like you said it's been a i think it's a step process i think for you it i think at first it was you know even getting started with a yoga and a pilates was outside mm-hmm. of the comfort zone mm-hmm. you know walking into those atmospheres is never easy you know right. i feel uncomfortable walking into a yoga atmosphere um and so i think when you go into that and you're not used to doing you know anything at first that's that challenge but then it can be that step process and i think a lot of times you know this is what we used to talk about all the time is on the fitness journey sort of all roads lead to crossfit if you continue at some point because you know, you're going to do yoga, you're going to do Pilates and you're going to do these things and they challenge you, but you start to sort of believe in yourself and you start to start to wonder like, you know, what else, what else could I do? Like what's, what would be the next step here? And then right. maybe you would do, you know, a lot of people do like a, like an orange theory or a personal trainer or things like that. And then you might think like, okay, well, you know, what's the next step here? What else could I do? And so I think when you start getting there, it's like, you sort of get to this point where like, well, the, the final step is just optimal performance right which is you know completing workouts you know like you've been doing like a few a few days ago it's like that's i mean it's about as challenging as you're going to get in your 60s mm-hmm. you know yeah and yeah my abs are still sore andy right a week later i always tell people well not quite i like them to uh, like for them on uh so like on thursdays fridays we'll do a lot of like butt work and ab work and i'll be like i want you guys when you're when you're laughing and sitting down to be thinking about me this yep. weekend so there you go you're thinking yeah, about trainers Andy. trainers get a big kick out of that yeah yeah mm-hmm. well you're thinking about them right now you're talking about them. yeah it's true uh so you know you've this is the first time that you've ever worked with somebody on nutrition too yeah yeah it really is yep mm-hmm. so um so tell me about how how that's gone um just because i know like we said you're very well researched in nutrition yeah and i know andy always um you know, it's a little bit tongue in cheek when it comes to people who are, it's just like anything. It's like when you're really well researched in something, I think sometimes you come into things with preconceived notions or, you know, your opinions about what you're going to do. And sometimes that can be really hard to coach. So like every now and again, we'll get people who come in and, um, you know, I, I used to train this woman who, um, was a physical therapist and, 
as soon as we started, it was just kind of like you kind of knew Charlotte. Um, You kind of knew that uh, it wasn't going to work because it was everything that we were talking about doing was immediately met with like, uh, oh, well, I can't do that because, you know, right now my my, you know, rotator cuff is slightly strained. And so I'm currently doing blah, blah. And you're just like, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe just come back when you're, you know, healthy and willing to train or something, you know, it's like you kind of get like this, uh, you're sort of paralyzed by your knowledge a little bit in terms of taking on coaching and trying new things. I I really do try not to be a know-it-all when it it comes to nutrition because I know I don't know it all. And Andy, uh, the beauty of, of one of the beauties of working with Andy has been, he just has a lot of tricks, you know, I mean, he's got a lot of tricks to the trade and he, he knows, you know, things that have worked for some people and things that haven't worked right. for some people. And so I think, you know, once again, with the nutrition, just like with the fitness, it's been a kind of getting to know each other. And, you know, he kind of has figured out what I know nutritionally and where kind of where my weaknesses are probably nutritionally. Yep. Like too many glasses of wine here and there. Right. That kind of thing. Um so just working with some of those little quirks and trying to fine tune and, and I'm not there yet. And, you know, uh, well, like I, you said, it never really is a there. Yeah. Everybody, I think We're always working struggles a little bit. And yep. I think one of the, one of the difficult things in Andy and I've talked about this quite a bit is, um, as you get older, most people, as they get older, tend to eat out more. Right. We just eat in restaurants more because well, I don't you travel know if it's, more now and we do travel more, um, but I think, I, I just think naturally people just get kind of sick of cooking after right. a while. Yeah. It's like, you know, most people end up making the same foods most right. of the time. And yep. just as you get to be older, I think sometimes you just get sick of it. Right, right. So we do. And, and we, plus we, we really relish our time with our friends. And yeah. we, we enjoy spending time with our friends, which inevitably turns out to be in a restaurant. Right. So navigating, navigating the restaurants from both, um, you know, talking about like trying to get off my blood pressure medicine. Yeah, right. So. Well, and I know it, this has been something that you struggle with for a while is how to. That's how a to hard one. That. Yeah. Yeah. Because. Um, Especially your friends are kind of partiers. Like they like to. Yeah. You know, they like to drink and they like to have a good time. And, um, you know, they like to, you know, go to kind of like you guys went to you know new restaurants new exciting exotic right. restaurants and things yeah. like that and try try new things and um you know i think each time you do that you're willing to maybe buy a couple more things off the menu appetizer wise and some of that stuff and you know you're maybe getting a few bottles of wine and you know it's just should we do one more and it's like when exactly. you say you're gonna do one more yeah glass like that could be a thing but when you're gonna yeah. do one more bottle then that's you know gonna be another thing well it's that ever important last drink too right. with with all of our friends you yep. Know? Yep. we went up the other night we went you know up to the rooftop bar so then you know yeah of course we have to get another drink there right you don't really feel like having another drink yep. but you wind up ordering it anyway yep so yeah and i know that that's been something but just like you said it's like um you know we've talked multiple times about you know navigating that still going out and and how you can kind of figure that out um you know we were talking the other night i think it's going to be i think it'll be really interesting to see for our generation for the younger generation because you can start to see that happening now i mean with a lot of a lot of our friends where it's every time we go out it's you know it's meals or drinks or 
this or that. And, you know, Maria and I really tried to give people the opportunity to, to come here and do homemade food and do potlucks and have activities and do things where we don't necessarily, you know, the only thing to do isn't just sit there and then like order another drink. Well, ultimately it's way more fun. Right. I, I would rather have people to our house to eat yep. because you get way more uh, chances to speak to everybody who's there. Yep than you do if you're at a restaurant and sitting at a table, table at the opposite end, right. you know. So I think ultimately yeah. being at home has many win-wins. Right. Except for the cleanup. Right. That's true. But if you get group cleanup, I assume your friends are pretty good with group cleanup. Group cleanup. Yeah. Well, and so some of your friends, you know, we've had, um, you know, starting to get into a little bit older, you know, later 60s, early 70s, started to have some health or health problems and stuff. And um, joint you, issues. Joint issues. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, I was uh, uh, talking with one of your friends, I don't name names, but um, about a second hip replacement. Right. And so we were just talking about that. And, um, you know, just the conversation around it, I think there's even just in that conversation it was you know what should i be doing and it's well you know biggest thing with hips is you have to be strengthening up the muscles that are going to support the hip number one and number two we have to be thinking about like you want to be as lean as possible carrying as little excess weight and fat as possible so when you get off this hip replacement you're coming out of that event strong and ready to go lean and mean you know like not we don't want to be the opposite right we don't want to be okay well we our hips been bugging us so we've just been sitting a lot well that's what happens to people before they have their hip replaced so you get atrophy the muscles aren't active by any sense of the imagination the stabilizing muscles that we would need to be training from a physical therapy standpoint are weak and inactive and and then a lot of times because of that they put on weight and so they're going polar opposite directions and i think that's something that like if that's not being said and like a pre-surgery consultation, like, yeah, Hey, listen, we're going to have surgery in 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. These 12 weeks need to be intensive physical therapy and strength training. Right. And you need to clean the nutrition up and you need to lose 12 pounds or yeah. 15 Col- pounds. Collagen protein. Right. I, I'm, I'm a huge believer in that. Yep. Just that helps with joint health and right. so forth. I don't understand why they're not encouraged. Right more that way too but well and so i think you know you kind of had um you know as you termed it your minor blip in your health and your friends have had some of those health concerns do you ever look at it like you know i kind of look at that now as um you know i'm super thankful that you guys weren't dealing with you know bigger health issues before you and dad before dad was able to retire and you guys were able to really say hey we're both really going to kick up our health a notch and i mean dad you both have done fantastic in the yeah. last five years from a health perspective yeah in terms of i mean every every measure you know i think you guys have done fantastic um and do you do you feel like those things like kind of weigh on you though in the back of your mind like you know your give you your motivation to make sure that you're you know staying focused yeah um another motivation for me has been um having a grandchild yeah and I think that's a good motivator for a lot of people in my age range. I wanted to be the grandma who could get down on the floor with Jeffrey. Yeah. And, um, yes, the other Jeffrey Binnick. Yes. Um, I wanted to be the one who could do that and build the trains and play with puzzles and Legos and so forth, cross-legged on the floor. Yeah. And I do that, you know, 
all the time. Yeah, right. And yeah, obviously now he's getting a little bit older and is only interested in video games. But um, <laughs> uh, and you never really got down that train. Not that you didn't try video games with me, which I respected. But, <laughs> um, but I tried them. I think like once yeah, with you. Yeah, I think you. I, I think we tried to. So I think bad. I was like. I was like. I think you'd like Mario Kart, Mom. And I think you played a couple times, but no. That and was I was it. not good. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, you're also, we're sort of plagued with the fact that, like, me and Mike are a little bit, like, savants as it comes to video games. Like, it was just something that yeah. we were freakishly good, so we weren't necessarily, like, the best yeah. kids to I play I think with. Jeffrey's there, too. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, well, and as we've talked about with that, it's like, you know, now there's, you know, there's actually somebody did the equation on this the other day you actually have a better chance of being a millionaire in esports gaming right now than you do of making it to the nfl so if you're going to push him one way you might as well push him towards the esports at this point if he navigates more closely that way unless he's going to be like you know six six two sixty like linebacker style then in which case maybe we'll get him into football or basketball yeah but that's probably doubtful but probably doubtful never know um so speaking of uh you know of jeffrey um you know i think it's been been fun for you to have him kind of back in ohio and and you know around you more often and i know he likes to uh to help you cook right he does and so uh that was one of my that's one of my favorite things uh, like memories of us kind of growing up is i really enjoyed cooking together and doing things like you know cinnamon rolls on christmas and um, you know, my mom's famous for a few things, lemon, blueberry bread, mainly number one. Um, my grandma's, um, frosted cookies. Um, and notice it's all baking. It's all baking. Right. <laughs> but I think that's kind of grandma, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, that's, that's that era a little bit. Except uh, for he, he liked making fish with me. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, make a panko crusted halibut that okay. he would say is one of his favorite things. Oh, well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so tell me a little bit about that, because, you know, I think nutritionally growing up, yeah, you know, I think we were, I mean, we were very 90s, like 90s were a total shit show from a nutrition standpoint, I yeah. feel like from an era. Yeah. Um, cereal was huge. We were a big cereal family. Well, you were a huge cereal. Guy. Yeah, huge. Yeah. Dad was too. Mm-hmm. Dad still was up till a few years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And so probably does, I would guess maybe at some point, does he ever mm-hmm. do cereal? Nice. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's a huge accomplishment. No. Um but uh and then a lot of ravioli and um you know i i think back to a lot of like the meals or dinners and stuff and um you know we did we did chicken every now and again but a lot of carbs a lot of carbs right and uh you know i think that paired with um you know poor exercise like i kind of do look back and think like man like i'm really thankful that like you know we all kind of you know got through we didn't have chronic diseases we weren't super mm-hmm. obese i mean we were very obviously as kids we were ultra active but um but well, i feel like nutritionally it's like do you look back at that era and be like man we were yeah. just yeah i mean i i would say that we did eat nutritionally a good portion of the time i mean at least we did have you know vegetables <laughs> and so right. forth some people didn't grow up with any of that right, so we right. did have vegetables yeah. and we did have salads and we right. did have fruit yep um so we did try to eat whole foods, but um, I think partly because dad traveled yeah. a lot, that yep. made a little bit of an impact yeah. um, on some of our meals at right. night. Yep. Did you ever think about limiting my Oreo intake? 
I actually got you started on Oreos because okay. I don't like Oreos. Oh, nice. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought, okay, so. <laughs> It'd be like me getting, getting my kids started on ice cream. <laughs> It'd be like me getting my kids started on And that's always yeah. like, Maria's like, I want to go to Jenny's. I'm like, sure, fine. I don't care. Doesn't matter to me at all. I'll walk in there all day. I have zero draw towards ice cream. Yeah, it was um, it was very selfish on my part. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, if we're going to have cookies in the house, let's at least get cookies that I don't like. Well, and so it's funny because there's, you know, I have sort of three eras, I guess, of my life, at least the way that I think about it. But the people who I grew up with, like especially like friends, so like, you know, Alex Moore, Mitch, or any of those people, like, I am synonymous with Oreo. Like I am brand identity for those guys, like for life with Mm -hmm. Oreos. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and then people now in my current era would be like shocked that like I enjoy Oreos or like Mm -hmm. Oreos or eat Mm -hmm. Oreos. And I don't obviously don't eat them much, but I mean, there were a point in time where, I mean, it was like, double stuffs. I was probably, I mean, I always think about like, what was your life like at the grocery because I was eating like almost a pack a day of double stuff Oreos. Yeah, I feel well, like I would you guess just had that to get... some of those you may have bought, but yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. But I always just think that was like, that must've been an absolutely insane grocery trip during those times. It's just like, Oh, I got to get more Oreos, well, more string two cheese. Two teenage boys. Yeah. You're, you get pretty used to the, uh, the types of groceries that you need to have yeah. in the house along with your friends you know, also oh, yeah, helping you're always, to raid you're the refrigerator. Always, yeah, you were always the host of uh, making sure that you had snacks for the friends, too. Yeah, got to do that. Um, so when you think back then, uh, you know, from, you know, kind of going through, you know, when we when you had your minor health blip, you know, we talked a little bit about smoking. And, um, you know, you grew up in a house of smoke. I did. Both parents smoked. Both parents smoked. And then you smoked for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you college. stopped. Yeah, college. So, th- mm-hmm. you know. 30 40 years ago mm-hmm. um and you know do you think it's something i mean that was a discussion with the doctor do you think it's something that still has had like a big impact on you uh honestly i would say that medicine still doesn't fully understand that yet right um but it's hard to believe that it doesn't have some impact on me although my lungs checked out okay yeah um, but when you grow up in a household of inhaling secondhand smoke from the time well, you were, they were a little, smoking my whole inside life, really. and were these oh, yeah. unfiltered cigarettes too, probably? No, I don't think okay. so. Or at least I don't think so. Mm-mm. But, you know, inside of closed car even too, yeah. you yeah. know, yeah, I grew up with all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. It's, uh, I always like when you see it now it seems so like wow people still do that like people still smoke you know well and both of them died lung related deaths you know Uh, my dad of lung cancer my mom of emphysema yep uh and they were both you know directly related obviously to that right but that was a big part of the social scene for them right would they would be have parties over and it would just be everybody would just be they used to uh their generation used to put out they had these like boxes or whatever They'd put out cigarettes for the for the whole party. So kind of like drinks. It would just be like yeah, you said. yeah. They'd be on the coffee table with the cigarettes. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. crazy. You know, it makes it always makes me wonder now. Like, what are we doing that we're gonna look back 50, 60 years from now and just think like, how are we making that health mistake? You know, is it gonna be like a 
posture thing with you know like cell phones and like looking down at cell phones and just all these people with like well i think electronics in general are still i mean the jury's out right especially the jury i think is out on that with young kids right and when you consider you know babies are handed cell phones now and play with them you know pretty regularly yeah so yeah i wonder that's i mean i think that's the thing it's a lot for your brain i think right yeah. Well, and I also think, I mean, you know, I don't know if the, I think they've tried to run studies on the signals and the radioactivity. The EMFs, and, yeah. yeah. And I know if you're looking into biohacking, I know they're big on that stuff, aren't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who think that Wi-Fi, you should not have Wi-Fi in your house. Yeah. Um, and you definitely should turn it off at night when you're sleeping. Yep. You should not ever sleep with a cell phone beside you. Yep. Um, you shouldn't. You know, even like men, they say, shouldn't carry a cell phone in their pocket. Right. Um, So uh, the jury's still out on that, I think. You know? And that stuff's great. Do you do 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 anything for uh, the light? Do you wear any glasses or do anything like from a blue? I'm trying to wear an eye mask. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still having a hard time getting used to keeping it on the entire night. Yeah. I can start out fine, but then I find that in the middle of the night without even knowing it, I take it off. Yeah. I've been wearing mine. Yeah, it's not easy. No. But, but, yeah. It's good for you, I think, though. Yeah, I think so, too, especially because we just have so many. We ha- I mean, even though we sort of live in the woods a little bit, we still get quite a bit of light coming in our room. Mm-hmm. So I think it's detrimental. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, that's a, that's Sleep is another thing that I've struggled with, and that's another part of my health. Right, and so you just started taking, like this on. week, just started taking CBD oil. And I think I that's did. your big hope with it, right, is to affect why positively affect it, sleep. That's really, yep. um, And so I think it'll be, that'll be fun for you to kind of catalog and see mm-hmm. uh, if that is beneficial. And then also, you know, obviously ancillary benefits are you know, a little joint health and lack less inflammation. Well, and, and I've things. been taking Benadryl <laughs> for many years. Really? Yeah. Uh, to sleep. And I've read so many negative things about doing that. I was now. just gonna say, I, so that's funny. So. You're the second person in two days I've heard about that, and I've never in my whole life heard of somebody taking Benadryl for sleep. When I first started in nursing school, um, well, not in in school, but when I first started as a nurse and worked in the hospital. Um, when somebody's admitted to the hospital, they come in and they have like s- their doctor writes what they called standing orders. Yeah. So that would be, I mean, years ago, and I don't know that they still this do this or not yeah. for s- like sleep medications, but they would Benadryl was what they would write for sleep. Is it just because it ha- is like has the has it's stuff got in a drowsy? drowsy. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Well, most medicines are uh, sort of evolve. Because maybe they were used for another use yeah, first. Right. And then they're like, oh, that has a benefit for this, yeah, too. Yeah. And so. Huh. Yeah. That's super interesting. Um, all right. Well, last piece. Um, you know, I, told, I tried to pro- uh, prompt you with this question. Um, but Andy and many of the other coaches and people asked if you uh, wanted to share any embarrassing stories about me that for the world to know. And I found it interesting because I feel like it would almost have to be like pre my memory because... I don't really feel like, I don't know. I don't like Maria has all these funny ones about Sam and I'm sure Sam has all these funny ones about Maria, but (laughs) I don't really know if I have that many ultra embarrassing stories. Um, no, no. The only ones that I can really remember, I, I'm not going to tell. 
Okay. Well, that's no fun. That's the whole point of the podcast. Well, I don't want to embarrass you. I don't. I'm fine. You can embarrass me. That's the whole point of this. Um, no, go ahead. You can share any of them. It doesn't matter to me. Even a health-related one? Sure. <laughs> I can always cut it if I don't want to. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Then, then I will share it. Uh, so when you were... I don't know if I can tell this. Talking when about when my you hernia? Huh? What are you talking about? Uh, when you were, we, uh, when you had y- your hernia and yeah. you had, uh, so y- you ended up having to um, have surgery for that. Yeah, it was like second grade. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're, we sit you down and tell you you have to have this surgery and you've got to go to Children's Hospital and have this surgery. And, and you're like, well, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so you were stubborn back then. Yeah. Well, you've always been stubborn. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not doing that. And we're like, well, yeah, actually you are. Yeah. And you're like, well, no, I'm I'm absolutely, I, I'm not going to have the surgery. It's yeah. me. And I, I say no. Yeah. And so, so then we decided, well, we'll go the tactic of, well, someday when you get older, you're going to want to have children. Oh, yeah. And um, when you want it. Maybe that's you did permanent damage to me at that point in my <laughs> life, and that's where we're at now. Oh. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn. Anyway, go on. So someday you're going to want to have children, and um, that's why you need to have the surgery. <laughs> and so so you're sleeping on that. We're telling you this at, at night. You yeah. get up the next morning getting ready to go to school, and, and you come in, and you're, you're just like the light bulb has gone off in your little head, and you're just like... I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. And we're like, what? I don't have to have the surgery. I figured it out. I don't have to have the surgery. And, and we're like, why? Well, because I'll just always be mean to girls. <laughs> and if I'm mean to girls, then I'll never have a girlfriend. And then I'll never get married. And then I'll never have to have kids. Yep. And so you had it all figured out. That's like, pretty sound logic, though, for a young kid. <laughs> I mean, if we really break down, like, Outside of the fact that, like, clearly, obviously, as a guy, you're going to have some attraction to women later on. But, like, the logic was there, right? Well, in your second grade mind, yes. Yeah. 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 I still, I I mean. You had a lot of light bulb moments, actually, when you were young. And and another kind of funny memory, too, uh, speaking of kind of light bulb kind of things, is we would often be watching TV or Maybe in the middle of like playing a game, we used to play a lot of games as a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may just be in the middle of pretty much anything, and a little light bulb would go off in your head, and you'd like run out of the room. And Dad and I would look at each other, and we'd be like, "What costume is he going to come down in?" Oh. Because everything yeah. you loved costumes yeah. of any kind, yep. and uh, they often were made-up costumes. They weren't like a specific, like, Superman or yeah, something. Yeah, I was piecing they things were, together. They were uh, very imaginative yep. costumes. Yep. But you would, just in the middle of any number of things, you would bolt out of the room and yeah. uh, reappear in some kind of costume. I feel like that would have had to make you be sort of creative with my wardrobe. Like, let's just give him, like, well, handkerchiefs and, like, cowboy hats and just well see what Well, you had a lot of that kind of stuff in yeah. one year. Aunt Trish had gave you an entire trunk of costumes, oh, yeah. and that's when you got your police costume. Yeah, yeah, Do you remember yeah, that? Uh, and yeah. you Running walked around, around the, the entire Christmas yeah. with Citizens a pad of papers giving, giving, giving tickets, <laughs> giving to, everybody. tickets to people. Yep. Yeah. Well, that was my. Uh, I mean, 
again, you think about it it's like, I, I had the right idea, right. I was, I was trying to find people for things. And I remember I had a little notepad uh, oh, yeah. that I would write their finds on. Oh yeah. You had a little notepad and gave a lot of tickets. Just trying to out. earn some extra cash for the family mom. Mm -hmm. Okay. Get outside, mm -hmm. get out there and work. So definitely your costumes. Yeah. Is a big memory. I was going to say, uh, the vast majority of me, I would say pre eight or 10 years old are the vast majority of pictures are me in a costume. I would say yes. for the most part. Well, and then as you got a little bit older and you were very good at baseball and we always felt like the reason you were particularly attracted to being a catch catcher yeah. was the costume. Great costume. Yeah. Yeah. I still, to this day, I you look good in it. Catcher's outfits are awesome. Yeah. They're sweet. Yeah. Uh, I still love, like, I still, the one sport that you can't really get into in Ohio is like ice hockey. I mean, people do, but it's just, it's not big here at all. But I'm always super jealous of the catchers and the goalies who have those artistic drawn helmets. Very cool. And I loved those. They are. Very uh, I loved cool. those as a kid. They were just kind of coming out. Um, but I love them now, even still. Um, yeah, I always think back to, I thought you were going to go uh, either with my bowling obsession. Um, and ESPN generally. Uh, oh, oh, ESPN. Oh, uh, that was when you did half day kindergarten. Yeah. And instead of like most children that would come home and like play with their toys or watch cartoons, yep. you watched college bowling. Yeah, on I think ESPN. professional bowling. Oh, yeah. Probably both. Yeah, yeah. Pretty um, much. Pretty much anything on ESPN. You were an ESPN junkie absolutely yeah free yeah which is so sad now because i don't watch it at all but i still do really like dan patrick and rich eisen um, which i will never forget them yep and yeah. i actually this is one of the weird things so my whole life i've always thought like why do people care when celebrities die like i just i don't associate with that like that mm -hmm. just seems weird to me mm -hmm. and then Stuart scott died mm -hmm. and that was like i like cried over that well, yeah, it was a sad, it, it was, was a sad. sad death. Right. Yeah. But I loved but Stuart Scott. I well, mean, he had a he, great sense of humor. Yeah. And yeah. he was just like, he was very iconic for me growing up. And it is a little bit like you said, it's like you wake up with him, every, you know, you watch him every morning. Uh, um, with your giant bowl of cereal. Yes, exactly. Actually, probably your second bowl of cereal. Right. Yeah. Well, on most days it was, it was uh, ESPN. Some days it was Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell. Yep. And uh, Fresh Prince. Yeah. Yep. So mm -hmm. it depends. You know, you have to go back and forth. And my cereal choices went back and forth just the same as the shows, right? Frosted Mini Wheats, Frosted, Frosted Flakes, and, and Honey Nut Cheerios. And Honey Nut Cheerios. Yep. So mm -hmm. still to this day, when we go on vacation sometimes, like when we were down in the Dominican and you go to the grocery store and you're like, I don't really what know what I'm getting eat? here. I'm going to yeah. stick to some brand names that I yeah. know. And, uh, and so we were do so we were like, oh, it'd be kind of a fun treat to wake up and have cereal every morning. And so, um, oh, what's Maria's go to? Oh man, I forget. She's got to go to. Everybody's kind of got to go. Every every nineties kid, cereal? every kid in my oh, era sure. has got their go to cereal. It's kind of a fun question. Now we actually talk to people. There's a bunch of fun questions you can ask people in our era. It's like, what was your AOL screen name? What was uh, your favorite cereal growing up? And like some, and then like, what was your favorite like '90s sitcom? Because there were so many like of those, you know, Fresh Prince, Saved by the Bell, Family Matters, you know, Urkel, oh, Family and, Matters, uh, yeah, yep. Uh, we really liked watching Whose Lines It Anyway, which is big on YouTube now. That Everybody's was put that was on. you and me, yep. yeah. 
Um, but yeah, there's uh, there's all kinds of good ones on there. Uh, where did I start that? Um, uh, what was what did I say? The what was the first one? It was cereal. Um, I forget what I said before that. Oh, as far as memories? No, like 90s kids. Um, Serial, sitcoms. I feel like there was something else. And that was going to spur me to talk to you about something else. I'm not going to remember now. Hmm. All right. Last thing I want to ask you about is traveling. Yes. You guys have done a good amount of both international and United States travel. Uh, over the past few years and uh, I always think it's fun for people to give kind of cool vacation spot ideas Mm -hmm. and just have a brief discussion about some of their favorite places they've been just because I think a lot of people you know especially in Ohio there's I don't want to say they're boring because I know they like it but like they're just like oh we went to the Outer Banks oh we went to Hilton Head yeah a lot of the same same places um, you know over and over Mm -hmm. And so I always think it's kind of fun to think about, you know, if people are in that boat of like, uh, well, let's try something new or maybe something we never thought about going to before. And the one that always sticks out for me, for you guys, and I'll let you you tell your own places too, but uh, was Maine. And Mm -hmm. I know you guys loved Maine. So tell me a little bit about where you guys went there and kind of about it. We actually went twice. Um, Well, it's beautiful. It's it's unique. Yeah. Kind of wild. Uh, both times we went, we went in the fall. Yeah. And uh, it's, it, we were, I mean, of course, I always pictured it very rugged and cold, you know, winter-wise. Right. Um, but about October 20th or so, it just closes up. Yeah. And we were we were naive to that. Yeah. And the first time we went, we were pushing that. Like right up to it. Yeah, yeah. right up to that. And uh, so you could see some restaurants had already closed for the for the winter. That's crazy. So, so it's just kind of like just are they appealing to tourists or like New Yorkers who are up there on like a long summer vacation? Or like where where I feel like that's weird to. They get a lot of cruise ships up there, uh, now, okay. which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, the first time we went, we didn't really see that. The second time we went, the cruise ships were pretty big. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, it's not real heavily populated yeah. when you're there. When you go um, to, oh. like, Acadia, um, not crowded. Yeah. It's, but they've it's got not some, like, like the going top to hikes like in the country. And, I mean, when you look at some of the pictures, they're just gorgeous. It's 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 rugged. Yeah. So I think that's the appeal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Um, so tell me about some of your other ones. I know you guys did. You know, the big international ones you guys did were Italy and France. Italy and France. Um, and so, you know, I always think it's kind of cool just to tell the story um, about this is, um, you know, dad worked for the same company for, correct me if I'm wrong, like 34 years. Is that right? Mm. 36? Over 40. Over 40, right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess because he would just started what he said when he was like 24. He transitioned from mm-hmm. the other company over to Straight out of college. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so over 40 years. And, you know, traveled a lot for work, but Mm -hmm. really outside of, you know, one, maybe two family vacations a year, um, which were mostly to, you know, beaches for spring break. And then we did a couple ones like Colorado and San Diego and stuff in the summers and, um, but nothing international. Right. No. And so really, so his entire life, he always talked about, or at least to me, he always talked about how he wish he would have taken like a gap year after college and just traveled. 
Right. And um, and he after always after high school. After after high school, that's what yeah, I mean. Yeah, gap gap years after high school, not yeah. after college. Yeah. And uh, and just kind of done that and had that experience. And so he kind of always he felt like had this little bit of like a. I always he always wanted to travel internationally, and it always kind of stuck there for him. And you know, he waited for a long time to be able to retire, and you know, then he was able to retire, and then you guys were you know able to kind of schedule these these big vacation things. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a part of dad that really enjoys the process of planning the vacations also he's great at it yeah too. i mean he had he's passed that down to me maria's oh, always like how do gosh. you know how to do this and and that was dad and i when you used to take road trips we used to sit in the front seat and just have the trip tick and just do i the, would love used to love maps. navigating yeah and you like timing everything out and you know it's all obviously pretty gps which times everything out for you now but um you know doing all that it's like okay we should arrive here at this time and at this time and at this time and you can kind of map it out he had it down uh well we were in italy well, I started to say by ourselves, but we kind of split that. We yeah. were met my sister and her husband. Um, but he had it down. I mean, down to uh, every ride, yep. you know, with drivers' places and tour guides' places. He had he had ab- absolutely everything planned. He yep. l- he did love that. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And uh, he was kind of funny when we went to France. Obviously, going to Italy. Well. I don't know why I said obviously. Um, the Italians all speak English. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, right. it's just uh, language just is not a problem there at all. Um, but he got such a kick out of when we were going to France um, because of the time change and stuff. You'd hear him at like eight o'clock in the morning in the office talking to some somebody in France. And he got such a kick out of the fact that he took French in college. Oh, yeah. He could speak a little bit of French. Yeah. <laughs> so... It was, that was humorous. 40 years before. I'm sure he's yes. not super touched up on well, it. Well, I mean, he's, he knows bonjour. <laughs> 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 and a few other things. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, but that's the whole fun. Of, I think that's the whole fun of international travel. Yeah. Um, and so, you see, I know you guys, so, you know, obviously there's still parts of Europe that like you haven't, you know, touched, but like you've been to London, the UK and you know, you've been there. Dad hasn't been there yet. right? Dad went to England, uh, for work one time. Okay. Um, but it was a very brief trip Yeah, and he didn't really see much. And so, uh, do you guys feel like, you know, if you're looking into the future, are you guys ever going to do like Asia Pacific or are you guys going to stick mainly over in Europe? Or I do think you guys if we plans? went back to, we'd probably go back to Europe. Yeah. Um, we'd both go back to Italy in a heartbeat yeah. and probably just, you know, go to some other areas that we didn't go to. Yep. And same with France, actually. We both kind of like to go to Normandy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to do that. So I think, you know, that'll probably be something we'll plan. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the cool part, I know you guys, I don't think you guys Airbnb'd when you were in Italy, but no. man, there That'd are be some fun to do. good prices on Airbnbs in Italy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm talking like you can stay in like, 20 bedroom castles for like 500 600 bucks a night like it's crazy yeah, how it cheap they are crazy. um so they have all these like i mean obviously amazing wineries and all these all these old historical places in these towns and i mean it's airbnb is like you can tell it's new there mm-hmm. right it's not established yet and when there's not an established market for it and everybody who's traveling to italy is going to venice and rome and that's 90 percent of international travelers and when they go there they all stay in hotels right. well when that's the industry 
the hotels are the super expensive ones and the Airbnbs are super cheap. Mm-hmm. And so you can get these just incredible places in I'd Italy. probably get some nice flavor of the country. Also. Oh, yeah. And then mm-hmm. that's the cool part is like you're yeah. in the communities. Yeah. And especially if you start getting a little bit more rural and, mm-hmm. you know, you get off the mm-hmm. the main highways. Now, you're probably also going to struggle with people not speaking English as much there as you get outside yeah, of the main that's, cities. That's where you that's definitely where you see that more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then anywhere else in America that you guys have been that you really like? I know dad uh, Dad loves like that Northern California Carmel. Oh, we you guys are going there yeah. soon. We right? both love Carmel. Yeah. We've been there quite a bit. In yep. fact, we uh, when we first got engaged, that yep. was that was our trip. Yep. Um but um, we both love Colorado. We're getting yep. ready to come th- go, go there in about 2 weeks. Yeah. Which is um, cool. Who are you guys seeing in concert there? Uh slightly stupid. Oh, I don't know them. Well, you got to listen to them. Okay. Kind of reggae. Okay. We didn't pick it by right. the by the Red group. Rock, we picked uh, what's it by that place called? Red Rock. Red Rock. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Yeah. So we're both looking forward to that. Yeah. I'm fa- very familiar very with cool. the concert, like with the venue, yeah. but mm-hmm. just not the band. So mm-hmm. that'd be cool. And then are you Slightly guys doing? Slightly stupid. S T O O P I D. Oh, well, that makes sense. Okay. By the name of it. Yeah. Uh, so what else will you guys be doing in Colorado? We guys hike at all? We guys do anything? No, um, we the girls are hiking okay. while the guys play golf. Okay. Cool. So, and how many going with you? I think there's like 12, 12 or fourteen. Okay, something like that. Nice, big mm-hmm. group. Big Very group. Fun. Yeah. Awesome. Kind of a diverse group. Yeah, uh, Maria's obsessed with Colorado too. Mm-hmm. I still think there's a part of Maria who S- thinks that we'll live there one day. I could live there. Yeah, I think I. I mean, so that's pretty. my favorite vacation from when we grew up. Even though mm-hmm. I went over the handlebars when we were mountain biking. Yeah, you did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, forgot that. That was not. Not enjoyable, but I will say that that was Mike's probably defining big brother moment Yeah, was, uh, at least for me in my eyes, was uh, I went out, he was, the group had left us, mm-hmm. right? Like they were way out in front of us. And okay. I think probably because I was kind of afraid, I think that was probably the big thing for me. It was like, I wasn't super into going down a mountain fast on piles of like rocks. Yeah, with, I was like, going to say very rocky. And... So I think the group had left us, but Mike was kind of staying back with me to make sure that like I was okay. And, and so I did, I ended up uh, crashing and going over the handlebars and he turned around and came back uphill and like helped me down the mountain. So that was always the, that was like, that like sticks out to me as that defining big room. I don't know. I think you guys were out on the mountain biking. I think that was something that we really wanted to do. I don't know. Uh, I think dad went and I didn't go. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so that was, uh, that's unfortunately that's the memory of the trip outside of the fact that everything else in my head i remember like i think we went rafted um mm-hmm. and i loved that trip it was so unique for us because every other trip we did was mostly beach oriented yeah it was very unique um and the first time i had ever been to colorado in the summer or in the nice was that summer or spring? yeah that was summer yeah yeah because um, we might have gone there spring break one time too yeah it's a little cooler um but i'd never been there aside from winter time yeah so that was fun it's gorgeous i mean you see the mm-hmm. appeal of the state generally is um there's so much different types of nature i mean you can go west and get into red rocks and you're sort of deserty yes and you can stay east and everything's you know deep green you know wildlife I mean, and it's way more cowboy it is in, in a lot of it yeah, in and the west side, really especially. Yeah. yeah, and that was what I never—I forget which uh, which one is in. 
is in the far west side of the state. It's maybe Colorado. I can't remember what what uh, university is out there. Maybe Mesa State, Mesa State. I think there's something like that that's out on that west side. Um, Aaron Hawes went there, and I always remember um, mm -hmm. he uh, he like with the post these pictures. I'm like I thought he was in Colorado, and like you look it up because it, it looks, looks like different. he's in like Nevada, Arizona. It's like desert. Hmm. And uh, and so then you just kind of see how far spanning it's just one side of the Rockies and the well, other. Well, and I think you know a lot of people think their climate is way different than than it is. Right. I, like Denver is is reasonably temp. I don't know if you'd call that temperate, but yeah, right. They don't they don't get nearly as much snow as what people think they get. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's the the temperature. I think is appealing. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that it's bad at all. Clear so that's coming skies. up here in what a couple weeks pardon me a couple weeks two weeks nice that's mm -hmm. very exciting anything else planned for the rest of the year we have uh nothing other than um going to the browns games browns games big <laughs> travel cleveland let's talk about the going to of cleveland. cleveland yeah that's that's a big step in our family it is are you going to be going to browns games you're I going know. to the are you going to the first one or is uh, that just i'm not Okay. That is the boys. Nice. Which ones are you going to? Do you know? And who with? Um, I don't know. Okay. In October. Mid-October. Okay. With Denny and Debbie. Are you excited <laughs> to see Baker Mayfield? I am very excited. Odell Beckham Jr.? I am very excited. You, you'd be proud of me. I even uh, read a couple articles in nice. USA Today about them yeah. the other day. And yeah. yeah. Well, there'd be a very, Trying hopefully a very exciting, um, you know, you're no stranger to, to NFL games. Um, no. You've been to many. You've been to many arguably Packers. the worst football game of all time. Uh, the the coldest. The coldest. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <just the laughs> I always crack up that it was like that. Survival of the fittest. Yeah, for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, it was the Packers Giants uh, NFC Championship game. Yeah. And whatever yep. minus and fifteen or whatever. It yeah, was. that was just the temperature. The wind chill was way oh, more yeah, than it was that. Crazy. You yeah. couldn't even talk to the person beside you because right. your face mask just froze up on you right and you guys made the uh, the critical mistake so this is a learning lesson for everybody stand yes. on styrofoam stand on styrofoam yep take styrofoam with you yep you saw all the packers fans walk in with their styrofoam and you're like well, why do they have that <laughs> I've, I've got foot warmers yeah well no the foot warmers don't work at yep. minus 15 yep exactly yeah so you need that insulating layer between the concrete yes, and your you feet do. Yes. So live and learn. All right. Well, yep. I think people have learned. Um, <laughs> great first episode. Do you have anything else that you would like to add? Um, no. All right. Other well, than that, you're our pride and joy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, and I appreciate your time on this Sunday. And always good to sit and chat. Absolutely. Um, and Charlotte didn't terrorize us too much, no, which was good. You made me breakfast first. Yeah. That Absolutely. Awesome. Just yeah. a nice Sunday morning, Sunday morning coffee. We're a true Sunday morning coffee chat. I only really have done like two or three Sunday morning coffee chats where we're actually sitting drinking coffee on a Sunday morning. On a Sunday morning. So here we, we are. We were. All right. Yeah. Well, off to your day. Enjoy. Okay. Thank you. And uh, yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate you listening. Okay. All right.